You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. All right, thank you so much for that. I asked them to sing that tonight, and Brother Stephen sent me a text with a little uh, music video, and he said, is this the one you want? And uh, I listened to it, and you could hardly understand because of the electric guitar and the twang. And I said, that's the song just without the twang and the guitar. And so anyway, Brother Stephen did a great job there. That was a good switch. Uh, thank you for that. All right, keep your Bibles out here in the book of Ruth, chapter number 3. And this verse will just be a springboard. Verse number 1. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? Here we have a lady whose life has fallen apart. And now she is looking at her daughter-in-law, saying, I am now going to just pour myself into you. What life had become, really for both of them, was not anything that they would have ever dreamed of. The fairy tale of life, of what they thought was going to take place, did not come to fruition. And many of us, as adults, we look at life and how it is, the reality of life, and there are a lot of blessings. God has been good to us. But it hasn't quite lined up with how we thought it was going to be. What we imagined it being before life happened was different than how it is. And this is a lady who has lost everything. This lady has lost her homeland. She has lost her husband. And she has lost her boys. A lot of negative. But we find quite a bit of hope. And here this lady now, in the midst of these hurts, in the midst of a time where things are not how she envisioned them being, a time when it is heartbreak as opposed to just joy, we now see that she turns to her daughters-in-law and tells them to stay. She's going back home. One of them says, nope, I'm going with you. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Your God shall be my God. And all of a sudden, we see now that Naomi in a time of just trying to survive, now has purpose. You know what? We can't live without purpose. Nobody will ever have fulfillment in their life if they are not living for something. Survival is not enough to live for. There's no joy in survival. 
There's no joy in just existing. And here we see this lady, and she looks, uh, Naomi, her mother-in-law, talking to Ruth, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? But you know what we find? Not only is Ruth blessed, Naomi is blessed. No matter what the situation is of your life today, whether you're a man or you're a lady, whether you're here or whether you're watching online, I want to speak to you about the subject tonight. Real life is better. The fairy tale isn't worth living for. Real life is better. And let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight. Thank you for your goodness. I pray that you would help me to be a help and a blessing to our people. Uh, Lord, there, there are many hurts in life. There are many disappointments uh, that we face. But I pray that you would help us uh, to just see uh, that the life you have given us, uh, there is a purpose in it. And I pray that you would help us to live for that purpose. And so bless now each one. For Christ's sake we pray. Amen. You know, maybe, maybe moms, and this is entitled originally A Message to Mamas, and then I changed it to Real Life is Better. But maybe, uh, uh, the, uh, of course, life is never perfect. And maybe the imagined and dreamed of life uh, has not come true. And Prince Charming is not so charming anymore. <laughs> uh, and his chest has fallen to his drawers. And maybe the, the manners, you know, we'll just leave that one completely alone. The witty conversation is no longer witty, and there's not even much conversation. You know, things just haven't been what you thought they would be. That home with the white picket fence, the nicely manicured lawn, the clean, calm, quiet, obedient children you know the ones that you envisioned you having when you first got married and you knew how every child should act and you'd see somebody else's children and it's like man they're doing a terrible job they, should, they need to spank them <laughs> uh, my kids will never do that welcome to life and, and with that, you know, we, we know that life has its problems. But how do we get through them? How is it that we still have joy? We still have something to get up for in the morning. You know, there was a day that Mrs. Brown and I as we are getting older, it's comical. Uh, she is a morning person. I am more of an evening person. I would rather stay up late, and she is, she is one that uh, wakes up ready to go, 5 a.m., 4.50, really. Our, our alarm goes off at 5, 4.50, usually both of us are awake. She usually bounces out of bed, throwing rose petals, bouncing through the house, uh, just ready to go. Uh, she doesn't quite bounce as high as she used to bounce. 
uh, and the rose petals uh, have thorns on them now when she throws them. Uh, and so, uh, but uh, it's definitely different as, as we go through different stages in life. But, but, you know, having something to get out of bed for and having a purpose in life, more than just existing, it, it's vital. And here we look at a lady who has gone through some very real hard trials in life. Some things that are not, not just impacted uh, a day. This, these are life-altering events. The loss of a spouse, the loss of uh, adult children, and you think about that, and you know there is there is no parent that expects to outlive their child. That is not something we think about. We we expect that we are going to go, and our children will succeed us. And and this mom who's lost the love of her life, and then lost her two boys, uh, there is a hole in her life. There is a void that is there. And so, so we see here Naomi uh, with this. Uh, life took a, uh, a turn, and it was an unexpected turn for her. But it was not unexpected for God. Do we believe that? It's easy to say amen right there. But God is not surprised about anything that we face. The events that are going to come into our life, they might be unexpected to us, but they're not unexpected to God. A brain injury, leukemia, homelessness, health. And I look across this auditorium, health of a child, loss of a mom. I mean, this is just so quick. And there are so many different circumstances that are represented just in the auditorium tonight. And, and with that, we think this can't be part of God's plan. You say, well, this circumstance is the result of a failure on my part. Is God surprised by your failure? No. God knows everything that's coming into our life. He knew whether or not we were going to do right, whether we were going to do wrong. God's plan for David, God already worked in David's failure with Bathsheba and Uriah. But he still had a plan for him even after he failed. It was in God's plan. Was God planning for David to fail? No, God in his foreknowledge knew that David was going to fail. And because of that failure, God in his sovereignty, God in his foreknowledge said, okay, plan B. I know what's going to happen, and so here we will step in and we will make this alteration so he can still be in my plan. And God didn't even have to change a plan. He didn't have to go to plan B because in his foreknowledge, he knows everything that's going to take place. 
Now we have plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D, plan E, plan F. Why? Because we, we mess up and we have to keep making changes uh, because of that. But God is not there. So I want to look at some of the, the things that, that Naomi faced and how she dealt with them. Uh, first, I want you to see the famine, the fear, and the flight. Uh, go back to Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. The famine, the fear, and the flight. Verse number one. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. Uh, so, so let's start here. So here there's a famine. This is just, just a state of fact. There is a time when there was not enough food. Two years ago, when the toilet paper disappeared off the shelves and people started hoarding food. What happened? Was there a famine? No. In this day, there was a famine. There was a loss of food source. And, and with that, though, that, that statement of fact that there was the famine... The result was that there was fear. When there were those empty shelves in Walmart and in Winco, what happened? Everybody started looking to see, okay, where am I going to get something? Uh, I got to get down. I got to uh, stock up my shelves. I had Mrs. Brown get some more food. We went shopping together, and I bought a, was it a 40-pound bag of beans? We ate a lot of beans growing up, but it was cheap. It was something that I knew that would be sustainable, and so we grabbed a bunch of beans. How many pounds of beans do we still have? 35 pounds? <laughs> and so, uh, so regardless, though, there was, there was that automatic, what are we going to do? You know, in life, there are a lot of times where we are driven by fear. What are we going to do? How are we going to survive? And here with that moment, there was a very real issue. God does not discount that life has real problems. And I'm not making light of them because life does have very real problems. But with those real problems, there is a response. And I think there's a balance between being prepared, being foolish, but we do have to be honest are we being driven by fear? In the last two years, what have we seen? We have seen a nation driven by fear, a world driven by fear. And it has impacted uh, so many people's lives. It has impacted, uh, the, it has impacted our nation. It has impacted uh, international travel. It has impacted commerce. It has impacted on so many different levels. Uh, and what was it? It is an issue. It is driven by fear. So we see here this famine. Uh, we see the fear. What are we going to do? How are we going to survive? Uh, how, will we, how will we provide for our boys? And we, we think about them and say, you know what? They went to Moab. They should have never gone to Moab. And I preach it. I believe it. But the reality is that was a real concern. How am I going to take care of my family? And that concern, that fear, it drove them 
to flight. The results of the famine, then the fear, then we see the flight. And, and you know, we need to, we need to look at uh, just how, how God's, God's uh, perspective is. Take your Bibles, Proverbs chapter 3. Very familiar passage of Scripture. But I want you to, I want you to grab a hold of it. These, these are some verses I've just been meditating on and grabbing a hold of in my own mind, my own heart. Uh, because all of us got to make sure that as we are taking and make taking steps and making decisions, that we are making them not according to our own thoughts. Proverbs three, five, and six. Let's uh, let's read those or quote those together. You ready? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him and he shall direct thy path. How many of you want God to direct your path? We want him to direct our path. That is a reality. His direction and our thought process seldom cross. The life of the Christian, Romans 1.17, the just shall live by faith. And God says, Trust in the Lord. There's a famine. Trust in the Lord. There's a health issue. Trust in the Lord. There's a loss of a loved one. Trust in the Lord. And I'm not saying any of this is easy. There's a financial reversal. Trust in the Lord. You know, God has a way of getting us to be in a place to trust Him. Sometimes we are making so many decisions out of our own understanding that we're not following his leading. And here that fear, that, that, that famine, that fear, that flight, it drove them. And fear is a very real thing. And that fight and flight attitude and natural response. Those are very real things. But we see how, first of all, in that flight, they went to sojourn in the country of Moab. Second, they came to that country, and the Bible says that they continued there. And then a little bit later, it said they dwelled there for 10 years. You know, when we start leaning onto our own understanding... What we start out to do and what we finish doing are usually two different things. That's why it's so dangerous for churches to change. Because you take one step, but that one step doesn't stop at one step. That one compromise doesn't just mean one compromise. Brother Hiles used to tell us, change is a position. It's not an action. 
And once you take that position of change, you will continue to change. You know what? There are a lot of smarter people in this world than me. You know what? I'm holding back on stuff that's a world that's trying to get the churches to change. I'm not planning on changing. Why? Because I don't want to leave what I know works. I know how God used church, the preaching, the teaching, the music, what he used, and he has used it for decades. And with that, God hasn't changed. And if, and if not changing is an attribute of God, why do I want to change to be more addressable to the world? We've got, to, we've got to wrap our head around that. And hear that flight. Uh, it was a response to a real issue. It was a response to real fears that they had. Uh, so we see that, that uh, famine, the fear, the flight. Secondly, I want you to see that there was in that, there was death, despair, and defeat. Look back at Ruth chapter 1, verse 3. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. Uh, the name of the one was Orpah, the name of the other Ruth, and they dwelled there about 10 years. Uh, we see the death uh, there. We see because of that death, that, that despair, uh, the defeat that is there, just that brokenness, the hurt uh, that, that uh, Naomi experienced in the loss of her children, the loss of her husband. Uh, and now uh, with that, everything that she grew up with, Knowing what was right, wrong, now she has experienced a loss. And I wonder how many times she thought in her head, I wished I wouldn't have ever left. You know, all of us make decisions. Sometimes we make decisions. And when things don't work out well, we second-guess them, don't we? You know, when you second-guess decisions, there is no win. You cannot win what if. That's why it's so important for us to take steps by faith. And when we make decisions in faith, we've got to just stay with it. Because if not, then there's always reason to retreat. Brother Franklin was talking this morning uh, about the, uh, it was during Sunday school, he was talking about uh, the building the tower. And, uh, uh, or building, building uh, was it the tower? Building a tower and not having, uh, start the tower but, or a house and not be able to finish it. And three times in that passage of scripture, it talked about finishing. And he was talking about, what if we started that building out there? And then we, we weren't able to finish it. And praise the Lord, we were able to finish it. And that is, that's a huge blessing. Uh, but, but with that, the, the, the decision to, to build that building 
We, we believed that that was what God wanted us to do. We took that step. We broke ground, and then COVID happened, and that, that got shut down. And we waited a couple weeks, and then after a couple weeks, we decided, you know what? We're just going to go ahead and start. We built the foundation, got that foundation in there, and then everything went sideways with finances. Called the faithful men in. I said, okay, do we keep going or do we stop? That building, it just appraised out at $2.8 million for that one building. We built it for under 900, about 900000 For us, even to finish that job, it was just God. It's just God. And for that for that step, for us to continue, and I, and I challenged the guys, I was like, okay, if God wants us to build this building, he knows how much it's going to cost us. And if he wants to spend his money, he wants to spend more of his money to build that building than what we had anticipated, it's God to begin with. And decided, we decided to move forward, just keep on going. And praise the Lord. But it was a decision based on faith. You know, in life, we, we can't second guess every decision. Because if we do, we will find ourselves paralyzed. We'll go back to that fear. We'll go back to that our own understanding. And, and God, God knows exactly where we're at. He knows exactly what's going on. And here she was facing, she faced the death, she faced the despair, she fa faced that defeat. But that's not where I want to uh, really plant tonight. I want you to look at verse number 15. Thirdly, I want you to see uh, that there was hope. Look at verse 15 of Ruth 1. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and whether thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. And when she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. What do we find? We find that now Naomi has new hope. She has new hope. Now there's, there is something to live for. Uh, now there is somebody to pour themselves into. And, and each of us, uh, when our life uh, go sideways and with our struggles come into our life, you know what we got to do? We got to get our eyes off of us and start pouring ourselves into somebody else. You know how Naomi went from uh, being uh, bitter? Uh, she, she poured herself into Ruth. She had purpose. When she came back, she said, I went out, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. Uh, I went out 
I went out, uh, uh, I went out full and came back empty. Uh, she said, the hand of the Almighty had dealt bitterly with me. Uh, and, and so when you look at this, you see how Naomi, she was one uh, that she, she looked back at what had happened in the processes. She left in a time of famine, and, and she had everything. She go, went to Moab, and as she was coming back, she felt like she was coming back empty. But that wasn't true. It wasn't true. You know, in life, when it seems like all is lost, we have more than we think we have. We are more full than we think we are. You know what, where Naomi was? She, she had lost her husband. She had lost her boys. But now she has a daughter, a daughter-in-law. And not only does she have this daughter-in-law to bring back to Bethlehem the house of bread, uh, she's bringing her back to Bethlehem, Judah. But also, she said, your God shall be my God. What happens? Not only did Naomi not lose her salvation uh, in that, uh, that decision, uh, now she saw that her daughter-in-law accepted her God. In that trial, she was able to reach her daughter-in-law with the gospel. I was talking to Brother Ray this morning. Mrs. Ray has been in ICU now. Um, I think this is the 36th day. He said, they haven't been able to open up a, a hospital bed at, down in San Francisco. Stanford would not accept her. UC Davis would not accept her. UC San Francisco did say that they would accept her, but they can't get a bed. And he said, the Lord is just keeping her here. Brother Ray said this. He said, there must be somebody else God wants me to win. He's won several people to the Lord while he's sitting there in that waiting room. A family that came in and their family member, their mom was getting ready to pass and it was an Indian family. He ended up getting and she passed away, but he had made connection with that family. They asked him to come to the funeral. Now he's got an inroad to try to reach this Indian family. You know, God's ways are above our ways. And here in this, in this time of hurt, there was also great hope. New hope brings life. It brings life to you. If all we do is look at our problem, we will, we will dig a hole. And that darkness starts to close in around us. But when we come to a place that we start looking at others, and we start investing in somebody else, you know what we find? We find hope, but we find new life. There's new life. 
new life to ourself because now I have purpose again. And the part of not having that hope is because we don't sense that there is a purpose. And here we see that Naomi, uh, she gets in chapter 3 and she said, uh, Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? And then we look at uh, the genealogy uh, in, in uh, uh, Matthew chapter number 1. You know, we find there are five women that were mentioned in the genealogies. Ladies were not counted. Look at the Old Testament. You look at a genealogy, ladies are not in there. It was the son, the dad to the son, to the son, the son, the son. It was all the men, the heads of the homes. But we have the genealogy of Jesus Christ. We have five ladies that are mentioned. Out of those five ladies that are in the genealogy of our Savior, Three of them were morally failed. You have Tamar, an adulterous relationship. You have Bathsheba, an adulterous relationship. You have Rahab the harlot. Then, then we look, and guess who's in there? Ruth. Ruth is in that list. You know, no matter how bleak life gets, there is a thread of life. There's a thread of hope. And here God had a lady who was brought from a heathen land back to the, the house of bread, and now God put her right in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. You know, when we think about those five ladies, only one of them we would consider to be somebody special. You think about, you think about all of the failures, all of the problems. We'd look at Mary and say, okay, I can see how Mary was there. But you know what? God uses people with real issues. God can use me. God can use you. God can use your circumstances. God can use your heartbreak. God can use what we think is just brokenness, but he has a way of pulling it all back together. You know, here when we think about, think about this, this life, this family, and all that went wrong, it definitely was not a fairy tale. But I wonder how the fairy tale really would have worked out. Leaning to our own understanding... Verse leaning and trusting God. Real life, better. Real life is better. Your circumstance is better than what you could have imagined. Why? Because when you are taking steps of faith and you are following the Lord, 
He has a sovereign plan. And it might not work out how we wanted it to work out. Brother Franklin, when he came, what were we, 10 years ago now? Nine years ago? I'm here for, it. we went and visited him at the house. Yep, I'm here for two years. We're gone. But it didn't work out that way. God's plan's better. God's plan's better. Well, it wasn't how I had my career planned. It wasn't how I thought it was going to happen. Real life is better. You know why? Because real life is not imaginary. It's not virtual. Years ago, Brother Rick and I were, uh, and I'm done, uh, Brother Rick and I were on a, uh, we were standing right out here in front of the church, and we were talking about riding motorcycles and wiping out on motorcycles. And as we were talking about wiping out, uh, and I had, I had wiped out on this motorcycle, and this was back when the wild world of sports was going on. You remember that on Saturdays? Uh, the commercial would go, and they, had this, they would show these major wrecks. And they had this motorcycle guy go off this jump, and he came off his bike, and his leg, his left leg, went up underneath the chain. And then you saw his his leg from the knee down and the motorcycle boot fly a different direction. And he comes down and then just everybody's landing on him. It was, it was unreal. Well, I was riding across the pasture one time as a teenager and I'm flying on this pasture and I hit some of these bumps and all of a sudden I came up and I came off the bike and in my mind, slow motion, I saw that motorcycle race, and I saw that guy's leg, and I was not wearing motorcycle boots uh, to even protect my foot, and, and I remember thinking through, oh no, here it comes, I'm going to lose my leg, uh, and I, I wiped out, and the bike came down on top of me, it was all good, uh, but we're telling these stories about wiping out, and one of the teenagers was standing there, and he starts going into this wipeout. And he's telling the story just as vivid in detail. And it's like, wow, I didn't know he ever rode motorcycles. He said, he said yeah, virtually. And, and I stopped and I thought, did you just say what I thought you said? Are you talking about a video game? And he was, he was as detailed with his video game wipeout it was as real to him as real life. Let me tell you, real life is better. Real life is better. Marriages have problems. Real life is better than just make-believe. Because make-believe does not exist. It's not reality. There are no relationships there. It is just, it's just this ideology. It's just this, this imaginary thing. It's not going to... You can't experience it. Real life's better. No matter what the problems are, real life's better. Don't try to compare your life with some imaginary fairy tale. Don't put your, your marriage up against Hallmark. This is Brown and I. Sometimes we'll watch a Hallmark, and 
And with that, uh, we'll watch something. And I'm like, you got rooked. I said, you know, you got all these, all these ways of proposing and all of this. We were 18 when we got married. <laughs> we, she got rooked. She didn't, she didn't get any of that extra stuff. Uh, there, there was no Caribbean cruise or uh, any of that. Uh, but, but, you know, uh, real life is better than just some imaginary thing that you can look at a TV. You can imagine in your mind. You can read in a book. Real life with its problems with our kids. Real life, real life is better. Ministry. Wherever we're at, let's not, let's not put this expectation of some imaginary thing that we're trying to, to bring our life up against because there's going to be an emptiness that's left because it will never measure up. Real life is better. Father, I pray that you'd help us. Thank you for just being a God who does interact and engage in our lives. And I pray that you would help us, no matter what our situation, our circumstance, our problems that we deal with, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to just see that there's hope because, because of you. And I pray that you would just give us just a, a glimpse. Help us, Lord, to take that, that admonition out of Proverbs trust you and not to lean to our own understanding just following you so help us please bless now this invitation speak to hearts for christ's sake amen let's stand together thank you for listening we hope you enjoyed our service if you would like to hear more visit our website at bbc4me.org that's bbc the number four me.org may god bless you